that song gets me, uh, I love that song. So I heard it come on the radio today, so I said to Pastor Luke, can you kind of add that right into the, the service right before I preach today? Just a couple things. Um, kids can be headed down to Children's Chapel, and I just want to go over a couple things with all of you this morning. But before um, we go into the message, I just want to read a couple things. We received a letter from Souls for Souls, Wearing Out Poverty. That is actually the... Uh, the shoe ministry that we sent our shoes to, and I want you to hear this because I believe that New Hope Christian Fellowship put a dent. Oh, and uh, I'm like, did something just happen? I didn't see. But uh, souls for souls. So when you think that a church of 5,000 like ours can't make an impact, you sure can because it only takes one pair of shoes at a time. Dear friend, Pastor Todd, we are deeply grateful to you for being an important part of Souls for Souls work. It is through donations like yours that we are able to achieve our mission of creating sustainable jobs and providing relief through the distribution of shoes and clothing around the world. Together this past year, we distributed 3 million 450,110 pairs of shoes providing short-term and long-term relief to those living in poverty and recovering from disaster all over the world. Behind each of these figures is a name, is a face, is a story. Like 11-year-old Musa who takes shelter in a Nigerian refugee camp and the children from Honduran community who walk up to five miles to get to their classroom and hurricane victims in the U.S. and Caribbean. Donating the gift of shoes means they and many others now have shoes that protect them from injury and disease, allow them to attend school, and help them rebuild their lives. But shoes are just a part of the story. Through Clothes for Souls, our clothing division, we also distributed 3,357,766 pieces of clothing. Donations of clothing offer those we serve much-needed protection from the elements your energy and efforts are the reason this kind of impact is possible. We invite you to keep Souls for Souls mission in mind should you find another opportunity for us to work together. We stand ready to help. Thank you again for your help and kindness. Thank you again for helping us with our mission of wearing out poverty from Buddy Teaster, the CEO. So I thought that was great. And thank you for your contribution to Souls for Souls. And isn't it exciting just to think that um, whatever you gave and how much you gave, it really doesn't matter. God has, has truly blessed. And then I want to read another letter to you this morning. Um, many of you know that on um, March 15th, the um, Evangelical Congregational uh, Association Conference met. So we got approved from the bishop um, for buying the property as well as the CEO, and then it went to a local level. That was approved, and then it went to a conference level. And we did receive on March 29th our letter from um, the executive director, Kevin Henry. And here's what it reads. Dear Reverend Tackett, on March 15, 2019, the executive committee of the National Conference of the Evangelical Congregational Church, NCECC, accepted your offer of $125,000 to purchase the church and parsonage of the former Akron United Evangelical Congregational Church and community at New Direction. 
at these addresses, 226 Southeast Avenue and 206 Southeast Avenue, Talmadge, Ohio. Community at New Direction was a church restart project of the Evangelical Congregational Church denomination. Listen closely. Upon reviewing some denominational records, I discovered that the United EC Church had some troubles that saddened my heart. That history put the pushback I received on the sale of the property into perspective. I do not believe that Satan inhabits buildings or lands, but is active in the world, influencing the hearts of individuals. I am more convinced today that New Hope will be able to do what the EC Church could not do, reach the Talmadge community for Christ. The members of New Hope have demonstrated a unity of mission, a unity of purpose, love for God, love for their community, love for one another, and love for their pastors, which will ooze into Talmadge, advancing the cause of Christ. I believe the leadership of the Evangelical Congregational Church denomination has learned from our many mistakes and would have responded to the United EC Church issues differently today. God is in control no matter how many times we drift from his plan. May God continue to bless your ministry and bless your family. I am so glad we both responded to the nudges of the Holy Spirit. Kevin Henry, Executive Director. Amen. So, you know, what a, what a humbling thought. You know, I was looking at their, their letterhead, and it says, um, to know Christ and make him known. And when I said in the very beginning that, um, you know, to, to be a part of a ministry and to be part of a church that, that truly uh, really wants to see the gospel go forward. Church, this morning in small group, we were challenged by Abraham, and, and God used one man to bless many nations God can use this church to bring so many more people to Christ. We can't even fathom. We don't even know what God is, God is getting ready to do in this year of breakthrough. And I also know that, um, you know, just going through this journey and watching the, the interest, the, the people that are pulling in the driveway, the people are pulling. I mean, Ron Sr. came back from Lowe's just yesterday, mor or yes, yesterday morning. And uh, as two cars pulled in, two cars pulled out. We had to wait, you know, because people are driving in. They're seeing what's going on. That is our mission. It is a mission that, that Christ uh, said before he ascended. He said, go into all the highways and hedges and compel them to bring them in. Spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I know that we're going to do that. And church, if, if you have not been over to 226 Southeast Avenue, may I encourage you to do that. It is looking beautiful. The carpet is now laid in the sanctuary, and I just want to thank Donnie and Chris for, for, the, for the many days of prayer on their knees. Actually, they were just putting down the glue on the carpet. But uh, I told them, I said, well, at least you guys could say you've been about every inch of this whole sanctuary, so thank you. And thank you to everybody that's worked outside from Tad and George and, I, I mean, just the hands from Ron and Tracy and and. I could just tell you that the daily and, and all of you that have come out has just been amazing. It's amazing to me. And and the food that was prepared. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, uh, what would we do without Ron Sr.'s work shed that's on wheels? You know, people run out there and they grab stuff. And so um, Pastor Rob said to me, oh, preacher, if I only had people in our church that would be able to do the very same thing you guys do in such a short amount of time. And I said, well... 
why don't you just go ahead and challenge God and see what will happen? He goes, what are you saying? I said, go ahead. Tell him you want a building and that you'll take care of it. He goes, okay, back to our original topic we were just talking about. And, uh, you know, because you guys changed this whole sanctuary in these two rooms and within two months. And what has been done in a month tonight at New Hope is just astounding. And, uh, and just the outside work that was done, the trees that came down, the, I mean, just hours and hours of labor. And so putting aside even me as your pastor, it just really blesses me to know that people in our community can see the love you have for Christ. And that, that just excites me more than anything because people, our world is in such a dark, dark place. And Christians are hating Christians and marriages are falling apart and children hate their parents and parents hate their children. And I mean, the, the foundation of Christianity has just been crumbling all around us and the church needs a major breakthrough. And so I'm just grateful that all of you are doing just that is just by your hands, your feet, your, your, just your means, the prayer time that gets put into it is amazing. So let's just say this. Let's grab a hold of our Bible because we're thankful that's what brings us together here at this place before we move to Talmadge, Ohio. Ready? In three weeks. We have three more services in this building. So let's raise this high. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide his words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen. Uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about my Gethsemane experience, my Gethsemane breakthrough. And many of us have, have faced um, some hardships in our life. And, and I've often said that in those hardships comes many Gethsemane experiences, areas in our life where we feel like the only one we can turn to is Christ. And so it is interesting that Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And I want you to listen to this closely. He went to the Mount of Olives. Welcome back from Florida, brother. The garden still exists today, including a number of olive trees, which may date back to the time of Jesus. Gethsemane comes to us from the Hebrew into the Greek and then into the English form. Originally, the name meant oil press and could have originally been an area designated for pressing olive oil. In a sense, the two greatest battles of history were fought in gardens, in the Garden of Edom, where Adam chose to disobey God, bringing sin to the human race. He didn't resist temptation, but chose his will over his father's will. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the second Adam was Jesus Christ, who chose the Father's will over his own human will. Although the pain and spiritual misery of the cross awaited Jesus, it seems as though the internal battle was fought in the Garden. And just as Adam's decision in Eden affected all who related to all that Adam did. So Christ's decision in Gethsemane affects all who are related to him by faith. Jesus, as both God and man, had a sinless human nature and also a divine nature. He had a human will, and yet he had a divine will that worked in harmony. But you see, here in Gethsemane, 
we get the clearest picture of how he submitted his human will to the Father. Since Jesus was to bear our sins on the cross, he had to experience the wrath of God the Father. For this today, the figure of this cup builds upon the foundation of the Old Testament usage. It's also uh, found in Revelation as well. The scriptures are clear that Jesus Christ experienced the wrath of God on our behalf while he suffered on the cross. This morning, I'm just going to read to you a few Old Testament verses that demonstrate the cup. Jesus had to drink was the wrath of God. We'll get into it this morning, but we'll find in the New Testament, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. What was he truly saying? Let your wrath pass from me. But in the Old Testament, Psalm 75, 8 says, In the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out. And all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. Isaiah 51, 17 says this, Awake, awake, rise up, O Jerusalem. You have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath. You have drained to his dregs the goblet that makes men stagger. Jeremiah 25, 15 through 16 says this, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me. Take from my hand this cup filled with the wine of my wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. When they drink it, they will stagger and go mad because of the sword I will send among them. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In the last verse, Isaiah 53, 10 through 11. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. And he, Jesus Christ, will bear their iniquities. We embark upon this season of the crucifixion. We can talk about, oh, how is this applicable to our life? What is going on? But we have to stop in the busyness of working on that other building and trying to sell this building. And by the way, we have two prospects this week that are coming in to look at our building. Amen? So praise the Lord. And so I, I want, uh, we'll bring you up to date about the building So after service. But for, for many, you know, God is truly blessing and he's, he's, things are getting done and things are getting handled. And, and yet in the busyness of this season, I don't want us to stop because of Easter bunnies and Easter eggs and the candy and the fun and excitement of everything. I don't want us to miss out on remembering the suffering of Christ. He says, as oft as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And he even said that to his 12 disciples that hung out with him. And so many of us hang out together. We bear one another's burdens and we share and we rejoice with one another. We praise as we weep. We go through the same suffering together, just as the 12 disciples did just the same thing. But today I want you to see and I want to just kind of amplify the battle that took place in Gethsemane. But when we do that, I'm going to reference some of the Gospels and just bring kind of some light and show a spotlight on what 
actually was taking place. But before we do that, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we love you and we thank you that today we can talk about a moment that brought us hope. A moment where we felt the pain and the suffering that you went through for us. Oh God, thank you that today you make the impossible possible. Thank you, Father, that we can look into your word and we can dive into the word this morning and see the truth in your text. So, Father, we thank you for the word. We will hide it in our hearts. Help us to abide by it, walk by it, and live by it. Lord, we love you. Speak through me today in your holy name we pray. Amen. If you will, take your Bible and turn to Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26, 42 through 50. Matthew 26, 42 through 50. And as you turn there, I'm, I'm just... I think often about my friendships and the friendships that we have and the people that are, are centered around us. What would we do without our support system, our moms and our dads, our brothers and our sisters, our church family, our coworkers, and, and just those people, our neighbors. And hopefully if you have good neighbors, praise God. If you don't, praise him all the while as well. And uh, But we realize that, you know, we've had friends that have helped us in difficult times. I can remember when our church has gone through some difficult times, the loss of people, the loss of even Matt, and, and just losing people that we love, even the hardships, losing loved ones, and, and just how awesome it is that people would stop by the church or stop by my house or just to give a word of encouragement. That meant a lot to me. Dita would take me a long time to list all the acts of kindness done for me over the years as a pastor, but I just want you to know that I appreciate what you've done and just acknowledging our level of love for the ministry. Also, you know, just recently my stepdad passing away and years ago as we embark upon a, uh, an anniversary, I think this is year number 11 that my father passed away. I appreciate the support. Is this year number 11? I appreciate the support that you have poured out and the prayers. You know, I often thought, does this get easier? You know, no, it, it's just because you rejoice and you want your loved ones to rejoice with you. You know, we realize there are people that are there with you that will walk with you and that will stay with you no matter what the circumstances are because they're your friend. They love you. They care for you. You know, the old saying is when the tough get going, the going or when the going gets tough, the tough get going. You know, I think either you leave or you cleave. And I've seen that happen as well. So what am I trying to say? Sometimes you want to be with those you love. Sometimes you want to be alone. Sometimes you want to be alone with people you love. That's here. But we notice that as we embark upon the story of Gethsemane, Jesus was going through the ultimate difficulty, ready to serve as the final sin offering for all of mankind, for all time. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? What Jesus was going through. He was going through the, the most heavy weight of the world was upon his shoulders. Because he was taking on the sin of mankind. And so what did he do? He wanted his friends, those the, the people that he hung out with, he wanted them to share in that moment. He wanted to be near his three closest disciples, yet alone with the Father at the same time. He said, watch 
and pray. He could not impress upon them the nearness of the trauma awaiting them. Yet they were fatigued and they were tired because of emotional stress. And yet he kept saying, why are you so stressed? I'm the one that's going away. Maybe they knew because of something he said at the Last Supper. You know what? One of you will betray me. Maybe they saw the man that was the leader, the man that exemplified and represented God the Father when he said, I and my Father are one. And all of a sudden they saw this leader start to to drip sweat drops of blood from his brow as he was taking on the weight and the sin of this world. And so Jesus was going through all of these emotions And yet all he asked these three important disciples, please watch. Please be ready. Please watch. Please be ready. But why is it that when things start to get rough, things start to get tough, things don't start don't seem to look as bright as they once did. We run. Oh, God, why did you take me away from me? Why did you let this happen? Why, God? Why did this happen? Then we start to back off and break away. Why is it that when peer pressure starts to take place in our life, that we break down instead of having a breakthrough? Why is it when impossible things start to take place that we don't have enough faith to believe that the possible can start to happen in our life? So we embark upon this text. And we see this comparison of what it must be like. And I I will tell you this. It was very difficult for me as, as every time I go through Gethsemane, it's, it's a time that I, I think as a pastor, I stop in, in the quietness, even last evening in the living room. Just stop for just a minute. And I, if you say you love somebody, would you stand in front of that loved one to be persecuted, spit upon, everything? finger ripped off your hand, every toe ripped off your body, your ears sliced off, your hair ripped from your skull, your limbs cut off one piece at a time. All for the love of Christ. Think about that for a moment. The measure of love that Christ was Thinking in his mind, he already knew. It said that he knew he was going to take on the transgressions and the iniquity of this world. Church, stop and remember Easter for what it is. He died for you to give you life and to give you hope. And yet we are so busy that we forget what Easter is truly about. Church, it's about Jesus Christ. It's about his death. It's about his burial. And then we celebrate his resurrection, for he's the only one who's ever rose from.
from a grave. That's the life that we have. So we look at this guy. We realize that it's real. Let's look at Matthew 26. Let's just read together. Verse 42. And he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he lift, left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Oh, Father, let this cup pass from me. Verse 45, then cometh he to the disciples and said unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that does betray me. And while yet he spake, lo, Judas and one of the twelve came with him a great multitude with swords and clubs from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whosoever I shall kiss, the same as he, hold him fast. Forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master. Actually, in the Greek, that word means rabbi. So if you don't have it, you can circle it. But he says, Hail, Rabbi. What he was saying is he acknowledged him as teacher, but in Jewish law, he was setting him apart as Jesus, king of the Jews. So we, we, we acknowledge that, and he kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, who are you come for? Why are you here? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And that wasn't let's lay hands on him and pray over him. They laid hands on him and took him away. So let's go ahead and look over to Mark. So it's Matthew, Mark 14. Matthew, Mark 14. Verses 50 and 51. Mark 14, 50 and 51. And they all forsook him and fled. And there followed him a certain young man having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young men laid hold on him. And he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. I'll bring some comparison. You probably have never seen this in the text. We don't ever talk about it, but I, I'm going to bring a comparison that the Lord showed me some light on last evening. He says, now we're going to go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verses 40. Through 46. Luke 22, 40 through 46. And when he was at the place, he said to them, Pray that you not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them with a stone's throw and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. In the midst of all of the trials and tribulations you're going through, I want you to say this God, I'm going to rejoice because what I'm going through right now is what you're allowing me to go through. Your will be done. In verse 43, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And in verse 46, and it said, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. 
And then we look down to verse 51, and Jesus answered and said, Suffer you this far. And he touched his ear and healed him. So we realize what Simon Peter did. He cut off the ear of the soldier. Verse 52 said, Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders, which were come to him, So you come out as against a thief with swords and clubs. When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Church, I'm just going to say something to you, and this is going to be a harsh reality. You know why we're doing this year of breakthrough and we're going through what we're going through? It's because we have to realize that when we pick up the cross of Christ, that there's going to be suffering. He said to the very chief priest and to those people that they hung out with and they saw all this stuff take place, what happened? Why did you do this to me? Do you know who I am? I'm the son of God. Wait a minute. You guys were just with me in the temple. You saw me perform miracles. Oh, but it's the same way in the church today. When a stronghold takes place and when sin comes in, don't think that you're exempt from it. You have to claim it every day. I'm a winner, not a knower. I'm a victor, not a victim. I'm anointed. I'm a child of God. And this is my breakthrough. God is for me. Who shall be against me? Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. And that's what Jesus was doing when he was in Gethsemane, when he was taking on the sins of this whole world. Why did he keep going back to them? Because he was trying to show us as as a nation, as the world, as history unfolds itself, you will be just the same. We will take on the cross of Christ. Even Jesus said, I mean, could you imagine? He even looked right at Simon Peter and said, you're going to deny me. And he denies him three times. And yet we realize that Peter becomes the rock and he starts to do ministry for Jesus Christ. But church, listen, this isn't an old story. This is as new and fresh today as it's ever been. We have to embrace what God is doing and how he's doing it. The battle is real. And then let's finish out with John chapter 18. John chapter 18, verses 2 through 11. Isn't it funny, the very people that that I've walked with in ministry have betrayed me? Seriously. You know, my wife said something to me, and I'm just, I'm going to say this. She said, wouldn't it be great if all your brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, dogs, cats, whatever... And she was going down through the list. She said, Client Jay and Ronnie and all of them, invite them for our grand opening of the church. I said, that would be awesome. But there are but what happens is because they're not this isn't what they're going through right now, it's difficult for people to truly see what God is doing. I love when God spoke to Abraham. He didn't speak to Abraham and Sarah right outside the tent. He spoke to him. He said, Look up to the stars, listen, I have a, I have a word for you. God will use this church, and God is going to use this church. And I declare that today, God is going to use us mightily to do something great. To bring the possible to the impossible. 
and what we think in this world is impossible, oh, it's possible in the kingdom of God. And so I just love that, that even though we, we look at these friends, and, and I just sat and I thought, you know, the days I've wept and cried and felt abandoned and felt lonely and read the stories of pastors that have gone through uh, hardship and just the loneliness they have faced, and then I start to realize the rewards versus the burdens. The rewards are greater because of God before me. Who shall be against me? It doesn't matter what these five people say. It matters what that one says. We have to remember that, church. That's what Jesus was doing when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was saying, it doesn't matter what you 12 disciples have to say. What matters is what my Father thinks of me. What matters most is what I do in my Father's will and through His power. Because He's the only one that can bring freedom. So it says here in John chapter 18, verses 2 through 11. And Judas also, which betrayed Him, knew the place for Jesus oftentimes resorted there with his disciples. Jesus went to this very place called the wine press. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus uh, went there often with his disciples. Verse 3, Judas then, having received a band of men, which means Jesus came about with six, I mean, Judas came with about 600 soldiers. Now, isn't it amazing to think six hundred soldiers that's what that word means band 600 soldiers hmm that's interesting isn't it because they knew oh god before him we know he'll be against us we already saw with our with with what's happened in the past our descendants those that were even before us it took them 40 years to get to the promised land they saw the wrath of god on them time and time and time again. Yeah, I'll tell you this. I wouldn't want, want to be the one who go up against Jesus. But you see, Jesus surrendered himself and knew what he had to do for the sins of this world. So we continue. Jesus, therefore, knowing all the things that should come upon him, he went forth and said unto them, Who do you seek? Verse 6. And they answered, Jesus is Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Judas also which betrayed him stood with them. And soon then, as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. So last night I, I, I'm reading this text and all this stuff's coming to my mind. I'm seeing all these things in the Garden of Gethsemane because I always talk about the weight that he went through. And then all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, this is a cool visual. Bum, 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 bum. Here comes all these soldiers, 600 of them. And he said, I am he. Now. Let me just tell you this, that when you look in the scriptures and he speaks of who he is, what he is saying is, I am he, Yahweh. I am God. I am God. So what do we see right there? We see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see the three in one. 
So when he said, I am he, I'm, am I going to really miss all these creaks and cracks? And why is it that I have a, have a platform that not every time I walk over here, listen. <laughs> you guys, so every time I step up here, I always think, creak. And, um, but anyhow, for, that's exactly right. So he says right there, I am he, I am God. Circle that in there and then watch this. I am Yahweh. Bam. They all fell down. Watch what happens when he did that. Do you know what happens? He said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, right? So in the very beginning, he's born in Bethlehem. They said, we want all of the children. If you can find him under the age of three, because they were looking for Jesus, that I want you to watch because you know, he'll be from Bethlehem. He's a Nazarite. So they're still after what? The coming king. But I saw two visuals. So I saw 600 of them. It says they drew back and fell down. Here's what I really think happened. They drew back and they fell down with humility. Think that through. When he spoke, they acknowledged the power. That's a message in itself. When you kneel in humility, because all of a sudden you acknowledge and you realize, did we just come? As Judas turned around and probably said, get up, get up. And he saw all the works that took place. It gets better. Watch this. Then he asked them again, who you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I've told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. That the saying might be fulfilled, which was spoken of them that you gave me. Have I lost none? And Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink it? And he said it again. Here's the cup of wrath. He goes, shall I not drink it? But he said, Father, let this cup of anger, let this cup of wrath pass from me. Because everything that Jesus did, he did to please his heavenly father. That was the human uh, humanity that we saw in the life of Christ. Then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first, for he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. So I'm just going to say this this morning. When we pray for God's will, it isn't a cop-out. It isn't us just saying, go ahead and do this. But something took place. And I'm going to try to do this in the next few minutes just to show you as time draws near and as we conclude and, and so on and so forth. But I, I want to show you something in this text. So, so Jesus goes over. He kneels to pray. But it said in his weakness that the angel of the Lord came upon him. That an angel of the Lord. Now, what you didn't see in some of the texts was in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke, 
it says that a legion of angels came and strengthened them. Now, we start to see this story unfold. So here is Jesus. He's praying to take on the sins of the whole world and in humility and in the suffering, knowing that he was going to be crucified, that his, that his hands were going to be pierced with nails, that a crown of thorns would be put upon his head. All of a sudden, a major breakthrough took place when a legion of angels came and in his weakness strengthened him to give him the power because he surrendered to the almighty power of God. The one when he said, I am he, he claimed that he was God. That's what's cool about this story. Listen, church, we will never, can never do anything in our own power. We have to do it in Christ. What a cool picture for me. In our weakness, he makes us strong. I want to show you, there's a book that, that Ryan has. This is called Impossible. And if you'll notice, it says, I am possible. Cool book, isn't it? It's a book to help with recovery. It's a book to help one get through difficult times of life. And oftentimes we think we can't do it. Well, you'll never do it. Jesus Christ could have never, Jesus could not have gone to the cross if it wasn't for the power that was within him, which was God the Father. So then he goes to the cross and takes on the sins of this whole world for you and for me. Because he knew that in humanity, in his own way, he could never, ever, do what he went through. And it is a proven fact that if a cat and nine tails were to take a hold of your midsection, it would rip out the insides of your body. You see, it isn't a glorious picture. Oh, we, we show these pictures with a little blood drop or two. But I'm going to tell you this week, I got this little boo-boo on my finger. And those little boo-boos hurt. But I'm going to tell you, he knew, he saw, this is a boo-boo. But he was chastised. He was wounded for our iniquities. And it says, because of the pain that he went through, it brought peace. I don't want to be a church of people. I want to be a church of powerful, Holy Spirit, God-filled When you see Gethsemane, I don't know what your experience is. I don't know what you're going through. I don't even know where I'm at in my text over here in, in my notes because I really don't care. But I will tell you this, that as I close this morning, I'm just going to leave you with this thought. That in our life, as we see, and we've got new speakers coming, and I won't have this humming any longer. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to have a breakthrough with new sound. But when I see this text, and when I realize that what he did for me, church, he went to the cross for each and every one of us. And he sees, he knows. And I, I just, I love this verse. I love the verse that says, and I'm going to find it. 
Luke 22, 43, it says, And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. He knew he had sweat drops of blood, but here, here was this. This was an issue of physical suffering that he suffered for us. Because when the prophet Isaiah prophesied, here's what he said. When he sees that all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all their sins. And I'm going to leave you with this verse today. When he said he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Church, you haven't gone through anything yet. You haven't gone through anything yet. God's going to take you through the refiner's fire. And when you think that all of a sudden, you know what, why aren't things going the way they should be? Maybe it's just that one little thing that he says, well, you know what, I want you to go through that in order for you to have a major breakthrough. Good things are coming. Good things are coming. And that's exactly what Jesus did when he stood up. He tried to walk over to those disciples. He said, hey, guys, good things are coming. Good things are coming. Because you know what? He already knew he was going to be raised from the grave. He's Jesus, the Son of God. So I'm going to ask you these questions. Have you appreciated what Jesus did for you? How should one respond? Have you responded? Let's put this in there. Are you like a little spoiled bratty kid who takes the sacrifices of others lightly? You'll never be called upon to bear the sins of the world, but you will be called upon to suffer for Jesus Christ and to make some tough decisions. Will you struggle in prayer? Will you submit to God's will or will you rationalize the compromise of God's plan? Do you accept the reality that God's will for you is not all roses? And sometimes God wants to put you in the hot seat. God wants to put you in Gethsemane. And he wants you to stay there. Is this the God you worship? Or have you created a false God according to your preferences? And last, the cross or Gethsemane was what mattered in the very end. That would be tragic. But Easter Sunday, is it coming? And Good Friday, is it coming? So the Bible promises us great reward if we endure for Jesus Christ. That's our breakthrough. So, church, think of this thought. When we need to fight some battles on our knees, Maybe we need to remember to transplant them into behavior. Our dependency on God and God alone. A dependency on God and God alone. I said to my wife last evening, I said, you know, in my moments of prayer, in those Gethsemane moments, 
I have seen God answer prayer. But if you never take your Gethsemane before you, and if you never go to a place, which is the wine press, and this is my final thought, a wine press is something that they had to push, and as they kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, the juices come from it. Why is we always say things are always hard. Every day they're hard in my life. Because if they were otherwise, maybe you wouldn't have the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? He pushes, he pushes, he pushes, he pushes, he pushes. Because he knows there's potential in you. There's giftings in you. God is ready to do something great in and through your life. You just have to surrender to him. And in your weakness, allow him to make you strong. Let's rise to our feet. What is your Gethsemane? Will you answer his call? Will you surrender to his will for your life? Father God, we love you and we thank you that today, Father, we can come before you. Lord, push on us, press on us. Make us uncomfortable Lord, we know that we have to come before you. Bow our knee before you. Thank you, Father, that you are who you say you are. And Lord, we just pray that you will continue to to move in the hearts of, of this church and our people. Lord, thank you for your miracles. Thank you for all that you've done. And Lord, we just pray that you'll continue to give us all a breakthrough, not a breakdown. Lord, help us to rely on you. Father, we surrender our will to you. And this morning, Father, it is truly sweet to trust in you. In your name we pray.